0: Okay, this is Fuse Box number 173, Scam Painting. And you might just have to be fully redacted.
1: Possibly. You know, we're running a special on falsified documents and uh, bald-faced lies. Maybe you'd be interested in our yearly subscription rate. All the disinformation and scams you can carry for one low annual fee. Free two-day shipping. Free box of whataboutisms. No? No matter, there are about seven million folks right behind you that think that this is definitely the way to go. (laughs) Hello, friends, and welcome in. To Fuse Box number 173, cunningly entitled Scampaigning. And I'm your uh, bumper sticker in search of a message host, Mark Rose. And over there, in his fully Neural Drive enabled voting booth, the Grand Poobah of the Peak Limiter, Milk Keynes,
0: everybody. Well, thank you doing? Well, we got a full plate of scammers on this one,
1: yeah. <laughs> do we ever, Mr. Keynes? Do we ever? Because, as we know, in our present-day scam-painting-like society, one plus one clearly equals mud shark. And we have a number of things in this edition of the show to uh, vividly illustrate this phenomenon. A
0: cornucopia.
1: A battalion of ballyhoo. A flotilla of fakers. A scam sampling of some of the latest uh, shenanigans in our world, often trying to pass as facts and truth. But, uh, alas, it's just a poot bag full of disinformation. <laughs> That's right. We also have an edition of Spotlight on Film, which, uh, gotta say features a relatively new release to Blu-ray and uh, other streaming platforms out there. A film that is nearly 90 years old and in color. Yeah, coming up.
0: Is that like uh, one of those films like they uh, hand-colored the individual frames of film? Uh, well,
1: no, no. But uh, you are correct, though, Mr. Keynes. There were uh, some experiments back in the silent era with uh, tinting film segments of the phantom of the opera comes to mind but uh, this one uh, at the time was considered quite revolutionary and <laughs> believe me doesn't look like anything you may have seen so uh, yeah that is on the way but first a segment that's quite appropriate for our program today another thrilling installment of uh Liars that lie. Oh, folks, I have wanted to talk about this scamtabulous act of optical undercoding malarkey for a long time. So, friends, have you uh, had the eyeglass experience of late? You know, you have your eyes examined, and then uh, you're confronted with myriad choices for frames, and styles, and colors, and lenses, and And all, by the way, very likely all, manufactured by only one eyewear manufacturer.
0: It's kind of like cigarettes, you know? There were all but maybe uh,
1: two brands, really. Exactly. Which makes the pricing structure on some of these frames absolutely obscene. Don't believe me? Go to your local eyewear gouger, uh, optical store, and see the $650 sunglasses. Before lenses, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a whole nother set of scams. No, dear friends, we're we're chatting about uh, what could only be described as the answer to the smarmy auto dealer vehicle undercoding scam of the optical industry. You you remember that BS story, right? The uh, the smarmy auto dealer guy would try to get an extra grand or more. For some mysterious undercoating That they would spray on the car (laughs) To protect either the undercarriage Or uh, the exterior paint itself Never mind the fact that the auto manufacturer Had already done this At no additional charge (laughs) to the buyer But it was a scam To get more cash from the um, unsuspecting buyer Well, kind of like this Yeah! Now, uh this right here, this
0: is the undercoating overspray charge.
1: Uh-huh. $4,500.
0: Yeah, and that's actually my cost there, buddy. I pass that savings uh, along to you. So actually, it's about, uh, usually, I'd say about $7,800.
1: What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the Blue Light Blocker Lens Scam. The most recent attempt to separate you from your money is uh, in the form of these miraculous lenses that feature this extra special, read that, more expensive option that uh, coats the lenses with this truly alien technology only available from us. And uh, everybody else, since we're all owned by the same company, that prohibits the highly dangerous blue light emitted from monitors and the like from reaching your eyes and burning them completely out of your head. Yeah, I want to, I want to uh, credit a resource here too. The quotes lifted uh, for our little segment are from an undercover report conducted by the uh, CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Corporation, uh, on this uh, n- uh, newest marketing scam. And uh, because, you know, when in doubt, scare you.
2: It's close to retinal damage. It damages your eyes, obviously. Like macular
1: degeneration,
2: like when it's damaged to your retina, things like that. It causes skin cancer, cataract, macular degeneration, and other eye conditions.
1: Yeah, just about everything in there, friends, just from uh, staring at your monitor. Yeah,
0: but what about the giant mantis aliens just uh, plucking them out of your head for sport?
1: Well, that's next year, Mr. Keynes. Giant mantis alien pluck-free lenses, right? So what does a board-certified ophthalmologist and eye surgeon say? Well, here is uh, Dr. Sinir Gar.
2: Yeah, No. Those are the two most scary things you can talk about. You can talk about cancer and blindness, and you're out telling me that these glasses will protect against both? Where do I sign? But that's just not where the scientific data is. As a
1: matter of fact, he says in many cases, the fatigue that many feel isn't from the blue light at all.
2: No, it's not. And I don't know where that's come from and why it's taken off so much because it's not data-driven. I can't fault them because I'm sure they're getting a little info sheet that says, you know what? Here's three talking points about blue light blocking lenses. I think people are thinking, well, geez, you're right. After I use my computer for a bunch of hours, my eyes don't feel very good. I can't see really well. They're kind of irritated. But what's bothering them isn't the blue light. It's the fact that when they're staring at their screen a lot, they're not blinking as often. That causes the eye to dry out. And when your eyes become dry, they become irritated and scratching and tired.
1: Yes! But the needles of
2: danger. It has a very sharp rays. It's penetrating at the back of the eyes. Any single gadget. If you use your phone, uh, iPad, iPhone, whatever you have in around you, it has that specialty rays Because it has a sharp light. Those
0: sharpness, you have to block it in somehow.
2: Well, geez, I have these light rays that are little daggers that are coming into my eyes and poking holes in my macula, which is sort of what she's making it sound like. It does sound scary. And if I'm trying to sell you something that you don't need, making it sound scary helps the sell.
0: Well, here you go. Volvo used that fear ploy to sell their damn cars. Hey, just look at this crash test dummy footage.
1: (laughs) Well, when all else fails, we'll just try to scare the crap out of you into buying our stuff. This blue light thing is actually real friends and it is all around us every day. Professor John O'Hagan, a chap at Oxford University, what uh, he does is he studies and uh, measures radiation emissions from all sorts of devices for, uh, for a living actually. And he can tell you. Blue light in our normal environment is not dangerous at all. The main source of blue light for most people will be from the sky. From the
0: sky
1: Yeah, from the sky It's typically referred to as daylight Well,
0: that clearly
1: explains
0: the tens of millions of folks in hospital beds right now Suffering in
1: agony from daylight exposure Only if they're vampires (laughs) But surely, Professor There must be overwhelming evidence to support the staggering numbers of blue light syndrome sufferers around the globe. There is no evidence that the blue light from your mobile device is harmful. What? Well, Dr. Garr, there must have been uh, countless studies confirming this horrible threat. I mean,
2: what about the... There are no studies that are showing that. Nothing in people. And so people will quote that, yes, blue light can hurt retinal cells but they're not telling you that that's not been shown in a person or any group of people who are using their screens. It's mostly in a Petri dish or taking a poor mouse and holding its head in a position and shining a blue light way intensely into their you know, mouse eyeballs for hours on end. That can also potentially be harmful, but that's again, not how it happens in people.
1: Uh, well, Professor Hagen, maybe you, you, you didn't test enough of the device. As part of our study, we looked at a whole range of different phones, tablets, screens we didn't find anything that gave us cause for concern nothing that's right now if it makes you feel better to spend an extra 20 to uh, 150 bucks or more depending on what optical ripoff joint you frequent then by all means blue block yourself crazy
2: but just remember i don't have patients coming in ever with any signs of damage to the retinas from looking at their screen all day pine scented i like that The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it.
1: TheFuseBoxShow.com Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, by the way, speaking of weasels in trench coats, yeah, here's another tasty morsel of a scamacious behavior. This time, publicly exposed to the sneaky and underhanded manner in which it was carried out.
0: uh is there uh something knocking
1: around in there, bro? I it's I, um, wait a minute, it sounds like it's it's uh the door here, wait. Oh! Hey, hey Milo, what's the uh yeah.
0: what's with the thing of the thermostat with the weasels?
1: Uh the weasel thing? Oh no, 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 no. I didn't mean to say that there was anything wrong with
0: Yeah, my stella die.
1: Uh, Well, well, sorry, buddy. I I really had no idea that you were uh, that sensitive to it. Yeah, I I, I did know you were related to the die, but... (laughs) Well, I just... I'll try to be more considerate. What is this? The Weasel Anti-Defamation League? Hereby ordered to appear in court on... uh, Hey, what the hell is this? Are are you suing me?
0: Cancelled.
1: I think I just got sued by a Japanese pocket squirrel.
0: Now you gotta watch
1: him, bro. Everybody's a bit touchy about their lineage and crap, you know. Yikes! Uh, better call Mori. I mean, th- th- this this might get ugly, and uh, I I don't want to be cancelled. We just got here. Where the hell was I?
0: Uh, sneaky and underhanded shenanigans, I think Oh,
1: oh yeah, 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 right uh, So so on uh, Capitol Hill, for uh, a couple of days actually A uh, Senate committee grilled the top executives of top U.S. banks On the allegation that there was profiteering going on during the COVID-19 pandemic
2: while you automatically and at no cost got complete protection from overdraft fees at the federal reserve could you please raise your hand if you gave the same automatic protection to your customers and automatically waived all of their overdraft fees okay i'm not seeing anyone raise a hand and that's because none of you gave the same help to your customers that the bank regulators extended to you. Scumbags.
1: Scambags, at the very least. Senator Elizabeth Warren there elegantly addresses the issue that these uh, commercial banks were given a barge load of assistance, but, of course, they did not pass this forgiveness along to their depositors during one of the most difficult financial times In recent history Now, they instead uh, pocketed the over four billion dollars In overdraft fees that they charged their depositors during this time
0: Of course they did They'd be happy as hell uh, to take that car or house back from you too If it's uh, becoming a burden for you
1: Yeah, you know, I'm so glad that uh, this was being pointed out right now Because, friends, after years, and many of you are doing it right now, too, after years and years of dealing with sleazy commercial bank sharks...
0: Oh, careful, man. There may be a shark lobby out
1: there. True. Well, after years of dealing with their uh, mysterious fees and uh, deposit-timing shenanigans, several years back, I just went to a credit union and never looked back. Best money decision I ever made.
0: Well, for one thing, they're a nonprofit for the most part, right?
1: They are indeed. Now, look, if if you're a, a, a hyper-sophisticated financial sort, right, there may be features that credit unions don't offer. So you'd need to research that. But for me and many, many others, uh, that choice is pretty clear, especially when you consider the uh, <laughs> the great big generosity machines that the commercial banks appear to be. And now, let's just clear the air of uh, the uh, shenanigans and scampering being done for a moment and get a...
0: And now, Spotlight on Film.
1: Oh, I got a fun one here, friends And it's gonna uh, take us Way back to the uh, Pre-Hayes Act days Of Hollywood filmmaking I'm talking about a film here That was directed by Michael Curtiz In 1932 And starred Lionel Atwill Faye Ray And Lee Tracy Called Dr. X <laughs> Okay,
0: doctor. This is the sixth murder in the same number of months. All committed in the full of the moon with no apparent motive. By means of strangulation and an incision with a strange surgical knife. Are you implying that someone in my academy could have done this? I'm convinced of it. We are all under suspicion of murder. What? Absurd. Ridiculous. What imbecile thought that of? I'm Lee Taylor of the Daily World. Then you did it. Me? It was you who printed that horrible story of father in this morning's paper. Don't be afraid tonight. Be sure you keep your eyes closed and relax. I'm laying ten bucks to a dime. It's another moon killer murder. One of us may be a murderer. A murderer who kills by the light of a full moon, leaving his victim's body
1: mutilated. Now, the plot of this uh, little gem is that a series of murders have occurred over the course of several months, and uh, the slayings all take place at night and always during a full moon. And uh, witnesses have described a horribly disfigured creature as the killer. And uh, then uh, Dr. Xavier is called in to help in the investigation, played with remarkable focus, as usual, by Lionel Atwill. The police, however, have an ulterior motive for enlisting the good doctor's help. As uh, the scalpel Used in the killings Seems to originate From Dr. Xavier's Medical academy Now yeah, let's say the butler did it Well, Mr. Keynes No butlers to be found In this uh, particular academy But I will tell you That uh, threads of this story Can be found Clearly In the films of uh, David Cronenberg Because there is this wonderful sequence Near the uh, end of the film That involves what the killer calls Synthetic flesh Yeah Same territory Mr. Cronenberg explored For his uh, 1977 film Rabid Which featured, naturally A medical procedure That went horribly wrong That also involved the use Of a synthetic flesh-like material
0: Wait, was that the one with the
1: uh, Maryland chambers? Yeah, the very same she goes from porn to body horror and then back again Yeah, works for me Well, Dr. X is a uh, visual treat for a couple of reasons First, it was the second feature to be made by Warner Brothers To use this experimental two-strip technicolor process One that used essentially red and blue To create a range of color
0: Kind of like those early uh, 3D glasses,
1: yeah? Uh, very similar, really. Except uh, for this process, you don't need to wear any clunky eyewear to get the effect. It's all done in the uh, processing of the film. Now, it's hard to describe, really, the otherworldliness of the atmosphere this process uh, creates. But uh, if you can visualize the high-contrast tones of, say, a, a film noir-style film, but replace the black and white with equal tones of red, blue, green, and, well, frankly, any other color that can be derived from the two primary colors, then you start to get the idea here. This uh, really moody atmosphere and uh, the incredible set designs in this thing are a, are a visual treat, especially uh, for the time, because remember, we're still feeling the effects of the Depression era during this time, and uh, studios We're having a rough time putting people in the seats. Kind of like now. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I think there might be a a bit more inclination to go to a theater now because, well, in uh, many places, you actually can. This film was directed by the renowned Michael Curtiz, he of Casablanca fame. This was uh, not the type of genre that Curtiz was fond of. Uh, He was pretty public about that later, but... uh, to look at the result, you'd have to say it was an obsession with them. I mean, uh, the attention to detail in, in the uh, sets, in the lighting design, the uh, striking two-strip cinematography by uh, Ray Renahan. I mean, it just re- it creates a visual that really has no equivalent. Uh, Curtiz went on to direct uh, one other film the uh, following year in this same Technicolor format, the Mystery of the Wax Museum, another one I recommend, starring several folks actually uh, from this production, Lionel Atwill and uh, Faye Ray among them. It's also kind of interesting that the uh, uh, the makeup designed for both of these films was done by Max Factor, better known probably these days more as a, a line of cosmetics than uh, the brilliant makeup artist he was. These are some memorable. Facial distortions, friends Right up there with the uh, creepier uh, Lon Chaney Sr. and Jack Pierce creations But for Curtiz, uh, this was clearly <laughs> The end of the line for his uh, exploration of uh, this genre So
0: how this thing go over during the time? I mean, black and white was the norm So color must have been a thing, no?
1: Well, you know what? The public response to this uh, two-strip color technique was, uh, <laughs> to say the least, tepid. Yeah. And uh, considering the cost of processing for this type of film, it was abandoned <laughs> shortly after uh, Mystery in the Wax Museum. There, there were black and white versions of both of these films shot at the exact same time uh, with only kind of minor variations in scene performances. Now, I got to say, though, that the, the, the folks at Technicolor, they weren't thrilled with the, the black and white options, naturally. But uh, for years, those were the versions you most often saw, not the two-strip versions. And uh, certainly, when it did come to TV sets, the black and white version was the one you got. Often, with lots of scissoring, too, as this was, of course, a pre-code Hollywood film, meaning taboo subjects like rape, and cannibalism, which are both dealt with to some degree in this film, were fair game during the uh, pre-Hays Act days.
0: Wasn't there some spicy scene in King Kong that uh,
1: got a lot of... uh... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. King Kong had many that were uh, later removed. And uh, after, of course, the Hays Act was instated. there. A giant spider scene involving the uh, dispatching of some explorers, some natives being devoured by a dinosaur... There was even a scene or two or three of Kong munching down on a few of the locals, too. I think the one you're referring to is when Kong is, uh, uh, appears to be most curious about the blouse Faye Ray is wearing when she's uh, trapped up on a ledge with this giant ape. He begins to poke at her, and of course, that causes various articles of clothing to uh, fall off and... Uh, well, Miss Ray was uh, pretty near topless there for a moment
0: How'd <laughs> they get that through?
1: Well, for a while, on uh, some TV prints, even up to the uh, 60s It was still in there <laughs> That's when I saw it But it was uh, definitely removed uh, back in uh, 1938 When it was re-released And uh, now I believe, though, that most of it If not all of the original, of the, of the materials I can find uh, Have been restored In the latest releases. And uh, speaking of restoration, the UCLA Film Labs have done a beyond excellent job of uh, restoring the two strip version here. It looks, and may I also say, sounds fantastic. They took their time with this one, and uh, it shows. Since the surviving two strip version in the uh, Warner Archives, had as you might imagine, severe wear and audio issues, and uh, they were able to bring it to, back to its former glory, maybe even better than its former glory, uh, using highly sophisticated restoration software. On occasion, uh, they they actually had to rebuild entire scenes from fragments of uh, multiple prints to achieve it. You know, uh, since oftentimes uh, frames will be missing or severely damaged, and content would of course. Uh, Be lost, Uh, and lastly, uh, this is a uh, Warner Archive Blu-ray release, meaning it's uh, uh, one of these made-on-demand discs, which is uh, really curious to me. I, I, I mean, this can't be cheap to do the restoration on something like this. Uh, You'd think they'd give it a a full retail release.
0: Well, maybe that's why they went with the on-demand. Save some additional bucks Probably not gonna have the sales volume Of a Texas Toolbox Massacre Part 11 teen. Would have had
1: <laughs> Well, you might, you might be correct there, Mr. Keynes uh, So, if you're a fan of classic, creepy stuff With a little pre-code lurid on the side I highly recommend the visual splendor That is Dr. X on the Warner Archive imprint and with that, we'll take our tattered scampanes and our bubbling synthetic flesh parts and squeeze back between the test tubes and oversized retorts, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of the show, Carol Adam, Jeff Pollard, and a gracious tip of the hat to the good folks at the CBC for audio clip usementation. Thanks as well to the always ready for a good color restoration the Archbishop of the Bottom End. Milk Canes for technical assistance and so forth and so on. A synthetic pleasure. Synthetic flesh. Should have been our secret words. And of course, thanks to you, friends, for pushing play on this edition of Fusebox. We do so appreciate that. Uh, we know, we know. There are all manner of tendrils reaching out to grab your ear balls. So... We do humbly appreciate you uh, spending that time here with us, and uh, hey, editor guy, uh, tell them where they can help us out, too. Hey, it's as simple as pie. You go to thefuseboxshow.com and click on the shopping tab, and like flippin' magic, there you are. Oh, and if you're one of those book of face folks, click on the shop now button on the Fusebox Show Facebook page, okay? Also, awesome. quick as a bunny. There you go. Enough said. Yes, you can. And uh, just to add yet one more thing to the one more thing list, we talked on our last show about the uh, documentary that I had the great pleasure to work on, featuring Alfre Woodard um, on the life of uh, artist Alma Thomas. Well. I have a link now from the filmmakers to that website, which is uh, MissAlmaThomas.com, and uh, a link will be right down there in the uh, show notes uh, as well for you to check out. Yeah, I think you will enjoy that. I have been your randomly generated hyperlinked host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon...
2: you.